Let me ask you this question. What do you think? Is the attraction to Mormonism, is the attraction to Jehovah Witnesses, um, the Roman Catholic Church, the attraction to uh, Orthodox? Um, like, for instance, I'll give you an example of apostasy. Hank Kennegraff uh, used to call himself the Bible Answer Man. He's, he's really not the Bible Answer Man. It's a pretty arrogant statement. But he went from attending a Calvary Chapel at Chuck Smith's a long time ago, then falling away into uh, orthodoxy. Um, what would be the attractant to fall back from you know, going to a Calvary Chapel, per se, and then moving into... Uh, Orthodox. I mean, Orthodox like on the level of a Catholic church, right? Orthodox, whether it's Russian, Greek, Orthodox. They have a, uh, a system of sacraments that you must complete and that accompanies salvation. They say they believe in Jesus, but then when they accompany, and depending on the church you're talking to, but depending on the, the, uh, the sacraments that they require for baptism, for salvation, then that all of a sudden becomes a works-based salvation. Okay, <clears throat> that being the case, why would I be attracted to that? If I'm, if, I remember Hank saying one time uh, on the air that someone asked him what church you go to, and, it, and he replied, he goes to the Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa with, with Chuck Smith. How do you go from that to orthodox? That would be like you saying, you know, hey, Brandon, you know, I got this great idea, man. I'm going to go run and join the Catholic Church tomorrow. And you would say, why? Is, is it the Mariology that you really... In, have endeared yourself to, that you really like praying to saints, that you, you grasp the concept of purgatory and you really like that idea? Or is it the fact that you get to crawl on your knees and light candles in order to pay for yourself to get out of purgatory? Is that what you are attracted to? What, 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 what is it? Or how about the Mormon? Is the Mormon attracted to the fact that they call Jesus the spirit brother of Lucifer and that when you get married in the Mormon temple, you make a covenant with Lucifer behind the veil as you shake his hand when you're married and you give your wife the secret name in the Mormon marriage. Is that what attracts you? Because then the Mormon gal that says, yeah, I, I wanna go from Protestantism to Mormonism and I like the fact that my husband on our marriage day in the temple, when we made a pact with Lucifer, that the, my husband gave me a secret name and I cherish that name because that's the name he's going to use to resurrect me from the dead. That's Mormon doctrine. The husband calls the wife to resurrection, not Jesus. Right? And, and, and that's why, uh, you know, they, in the Mormon church, they, you know, they build on the wrong foundation because they're a cult, but they build on the foundation of marriage, that this is an eternal marriage. And we're, then when you, you and your celestial bride get to go into Mormonville after you die, and uh, in Mormonville, um, you become your own God, and then you and your wife get to have celestial sex for all eternity, and populate your own planet. I'm not making this up, dude. I'm not making it up. You think I'm making it up. It's flat out Mormon doctrine, dude. It is so crazy that you and your wife that you have now will go and populate planet. That means you, you're gonna make millions and billions of spirit babies and then you, you populate and you become the god of that planet, whether it's Kolob or whatever uh, 
planet. Now, my question then is, is that what attracts people to Mormonism? Wow, I want to be married for all eternity and have spiritual babies. So, what's, what, so if Satan doesn't lure by that bizarre type of doctrine, that's not attractive, you think? What is attractive, though? What is attractive about Mormonism to people that don't know any better? What is attractive to the Jehovah? What is attracted for people to convert to Islam? What is attractive about that? When they're, they're, they, they, they hang people, they stone women, for, and they don't let them drive, and they throw homosexuals off the roof. Why would anyone in Western society be attracted to that? Or anywhere, for that matter. Okay, so the, 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 the religious aspect is the, the appeal of working your way to heaven. So you got that. It doesn't have to, it has nothing to do with the funky doctrine. It's the appeal of I can earn my way and this is giving me a checklist that if I do these things, then I can make it. And that's regardless of whatever religion. So it's a stairway to heaven. That's what they are. And people, and Satan is pretty clever in this, is that he knows that there are different temperaments out there with human beings. So he creates religions to fit the particular temperament of the person because he knows that will attract them to it. So you must discover what temperaments are attracted to what. What kind of temperament would you need to have be, to be attracted to Islam? Hate, anger, controlling. What's that? Satanical? Puritanical, yeah. Yes, they, they do. They put him in potato sacks and they walk around with two slits. Every time I see him, it reminds me of the Charlie Brown Halloween cartoon when they go and Charlie Brown, well, everyone else had the, those two slots and Charlie Brown had all kinds of holes all over his thing. But it reminds me of a burka every time they do that. I'm like, I, I went to Minnesota, I walked in, I thought, man, there's ninjas everywhere. And then I realized that's not a ninja. That's a burka. I mean, they look like ninjas. And again, I'm, it is what it is, man. And like, what, what kind of religion does that? And people think, yeah, that's cool to do that to women. Put them in a, a, a sack. It, it, that religion is the most abusive religion to women on the planet. But no one wants to call it out. But my, my point is, now in Islam, you know how it spread. It's by force, right? It's by conquest. And when I was in Africa, uh, I remember being in very Muslim villages. And uh, what would happen is we would hear the stories of this, that Islam would come in there and they would actually pay people to be Muslims. Yeah, because the Africans, they were telling us that they don't have any money, they're starving to death, 
all this stuff. But Muslims would get come in with money and they would get it from Saudi Arabia or wherever Islamic country was funneling money into that country. And they would give people money to convert to Islam. And more importantly than just the money, they would provide medicine for these people's kids, like antibiotics and all kinds of things to, to you know, we take for granted, but th- that's a life-saving thing to get an antibiotic in Africa, okay? And, and so they were telling us the story, so that's how they got their converts, and they, that's how they kept their converts in Africa. They would keep them paid in Africa. Well, you think about this. If you're starving, your kids are starving, your kids need medicine, you can see how tempting that would actually be. You would have to be sacrificing a lot in order to not do that. But some did. Okay, so, so what you have to understand about the attraction to false religious systems and false doctrines, it's not the deep theology that you think. It's not that. It is, first of all, an attraction to earn your way to heaven. And somebody is telling me how to do it. That's number one. Okay? You have to have that element that Satan uses, an ability to make it on your own. Two, what do you think the other element or maybe multiple elements are involved in this rather than theology? Community, fellowship, belonging, family, all those elements. So what the cults are real good about They're very good at bringing the person in and surrounding them, but the surrounding is to trap them, to trap them inside the cult. And and then, you know, if you're a Mormon, dude, they'll give you a job. You will work for, you know, whether it's a Marriott or wherever, they'll find you a job. Coca-Cola, whatever, all the stuff that Mormons own. The Mormons are second to the Catholic Church as far as money is concerned. They own a lot they have very deep pockets. Okay, so they surround them to get them a job. And some of the cults, like Mormonism or Jehovah Witness, will find them a bride or a husband in the cult. Okay? So that's a relational tie. That's an employment tie. And they're nice to you. Okay? And they tell you, we'll take care of you. If things go down, we have all the resources and supplies. Here you go. And we'll give you that. So... The other category that's the, used as the attractant is to give the person a sense of community and belonging. They will do that for somebody, okay? So you have working your way to heaven, belonging. What do you think the other element is involved in this? <clears throat> Coming into the cults. What would be another attractant that's non-theological? It's not a theology issue. That what now? 24-hour marriage? <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. There's that. Um, the Muslims have that practice. Um, is it, is it, is it four, 24, 48? There's a three-day three weekend time? I can't remember. Yeah, you, and, and that would allow them to go on these little escapades to these other things. I know it sounds bizarre. No one tells you about this. But they, they can have these prostitutes or whatever uh, marry them for the weekend, and then that's it, and divorce them at the end. You guys ever heard of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of that's happening in some of those Muslim countries. It's a, it's a practice that they allowed. It's crazy. Um, 
So, you, so yeah, I mean, so um, in that sense, you know, what Ernie's pointing out is uh, hedonism. That's just full-blown hedonism, right? Um, so you got that. Um, the other element is a mental element, okay? And since it's not a theological issue, Satan knows how to brainwash people, and the cults are the best, the Jehovah Witnesses are probably one of the best brainwashing cults in America. Okay? It's just bar none. They, 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 their tactics, their manipulation, their control, everything is done really, really well. Okay? So let me ask you this. In order to attract that type of person... Typically, typically, in general, what they have discovered about those who join cults, they are typically mentally hypersuggestible. Okay? Not all, but it's a generalization when they study the cults. Whether you're going to a small cult like, you know, a David Koresh or, or, or a big cult like the Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses, um, you find in those people hypersuggestibility. Now, what is hypersuggestibility? Does that mean they're unintelligent? No. Some of the most intelligent people are in cults. You can have doctors and lawyers and accountants and, 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 and the upper crust CEOs right in the Mormon church. So it's not about intelligence, it's about hypersuggestibility. Now, how does someone become hypersuggestible? Are you born with it? Where does this hypersuggestibility come from that makes people pray, or, 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 or sorry, makes people other cults prey on them because they're, they're in this mode of hypersuggestibility? Could be, yeah. That could go into it that, that the, the person's background lends it to being a people person or a people pleaser. They do. So if you have a bad self-esteem and someone's telling you great, um, and one of the tactics of the cults to build the self-esteem of the person is they put them in a very high position early on in the cult. And here's the interesting thing. That's the reverse of what we're supposed to do. We don't lay hands on anyone quickly, as Paul says, because there needs to be time to observe, there needs to be time to uh, test, and you don't put someone, a new believer, in a high position because they'll mess it up. And it'll go to their head and they can't control it. But in the cult, it's the opposite. They get in, put them in a high position. So that builds the esteem. So you can see then, if someone has deficiencies in self-esteem, if someone is a people pleaser based on wherever they're coming from, if someone didn't have parents... That, that person is vulnerable to hypersuggestibility because they, they want um, a, a, an authority, even though it's a bad authority. Um, they're desiring that. They're desiring for someone to tell them the course of life, and the cults will take advantage of that. So based on the person's background, Satan knows what will attract them. 
So with Mormons, you know, they, they bring family to the issue. So a person doesn't have any family, they bring a family. But that's no different than what's going on in Compton. Right? If, I, if, if people join a gang in Compton, it's the same thing. Right? What are, they, what are the people that join the Crips or the Bloods or whatever gangs are down there, what do they join for? Family. Because their family's not watching them. They don't even have a family, but at least so-and-so in this gang will watch out for me and watch my back, and I, I, at least I know I can get support from them. And they'll defend that family just as hard as they would defend a normal, normal family. So you have this dynamic that goes on in people, and that's how Satan works. He doesn't work through the theology. He works through the felt needs of the person. Okay, that's a big problem, the felt needs of a person. Christ is supposed to satisfy those felt needs from this life that we're living that's, that deprives us. Our life is deprived many times. We don't have the kind of relationships that we need, and we don't have the kind of upbringing we need. We don't have the kind of family circles that we need. There's a lot of dysfunction, correct? And you know that. Well, if there's so much dysfunction people start yearning for, really their desire is the nuclear family, right? Uh, 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 an idealistic view of what life should be like. And here comes the, the cult saying, we offer this. We all love each other. We all get along here. And it, it's very seductive. Now, here's a tactic. Once you use those aspects to bring the person into the cult as what, they, what they've studied is they don't introduce theology at first to them. And why? Because it'd scare them, okay? So you guys know like the Freemasons here in town? They do the potato bowl, the Shriners, wear the little fez hats with a, a Muslim sword from Morocco on there. Those guys are wicked, wicked evil. The Shriners are Freemasons. When you see a Shriner with a, a hat on his head, that is a 33-degree satanic worshiper. End of story. There's no wiggle room on this one. That is a cult. That's different than the Rotary and the Kiwanas and all these other things. The Freemasons are hardcore satanic Luciferians. Okay? Now, I'll, I'll show you what they do. Most of your people in Kern County that are part of the Freemasons are at the Blue Lodge level. They're level one, level, or sorry, say degree one, degree two, and degree three. And that's where most of them stay. Now, in that third, those three levels, those people are not taught the theology of Freemasonry. But when you decide that you're going full bore and you're going to continue up your degrees, that's when you're given little by little information every degree you go up to, at, to where you uh, get to the 15th degree and you're renouncing Christ at that point in time, okay? So you, you, I, I've seen their, their, their oaths. They take blood oaths in doing this, okay? You can, they can't deny that. So when you say, when you talk to a Blue Lodge level person, they say, we don't believe in that. They don't even talk about that stuff. Yeah, I know, dude, because you're not at the, their level. You're not at the 33 level. You're at the Blue Lodge. That's why you don't know. You might as well be at the Lodge of the Water Buffaloes with Fred Flintstone, right? 
The order of the water buffaloes? Didn't Fred and Barney go to the order of the water buffaloes? I'm surprised I even remember that. Um, but that's at their level. They don't see that. So you go to up to the higher level, and then that's where the satanic stuff's coming out, okay? And that the, the, the same oaths that they take in Freemasonry are the same oaths that witches take in covens. Same things, hands down. There's already been too much work on this stuff. It's, it's a, a known fact, okay? Witches have said the Freemasons take the same oaths. Okay, what is my point with the Freemasons? My point is... When Joseph Smith started Mormonism by the demonic influence that he had, he came out of Freemasonry. That's why there's a lot of Freemasonry in Mormonism all over the place. And that's why in Mormonism, if you go to like Utah and you go to their Mormon tabernacle and all that, you're going to see Freemason symbols or satanic symbols. Uh, You'll see beehives. You'll see the... um, uh, what else? Uh, all seeing eye of Osiris, those kinds of things. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, sexual symbols that abound. You know the the, the symbol of the Masons. You, have you seen the symbol of the Masons? Yeah, you know what the the compass and the rule. That's not a compass and that's not a rule. When you see it next time, look at it because it's not a compass and it's not a rule. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can even say it. Let's go. Let's let's set one pack. Maybe you'll catch it. In pagan rituals. The way you worship the pagan gods is through the sex act, okay? And the, and, and the sex act communicates the spiritual power that you receive from that sex act where there was a temple prostitute that you went to to worship that god or you did that for fertility, for your land or whatever. But the sex act is always prevalent in fertility gods and paganism and witchcraft and Satanism and Freemasons, so that Freemason symbol is a picture of a sex act with the G in the middle, stands for the great architect of the universe, and that you derived your power from that. Now think about it. You're not, you're not catching it? Don't say anything. Raise your hand if you understand the sex act. Do you, do you see the sex act in the symbol? Now, someone's over there. Uh, that's what it's not about. Why do they have a beehive? Why is that? For busy bees? Bees are a symbol in paganism of fertility. And the Mormons have it all over their stuff. So do, so do the, the, the Freemasons. Okay, but what does Freemasonry offer to people? Fraternity. Fraternity. Oh, what's the female version of the Freemasons? The Eastern Star. Sor, sor, uh, sorority. Sorority. That is about as Luciferian as you could possibly get. Okay? But the attractant, as you can see, is 
hey, they provide belonging. They provide a community. But the cults and Satan knows this. Don't introduce the doctrine at first. Keep it from the lower echelon. Don't tell anybody in the lower echelon. But as we go up level by level, and every time they go up level by level, we put our clamps into them to where they can't leave. And then once we have our clamps in them, then we can reveal this information. And every time we reveal more information, it entraps them for the information that they know, and they make blood oaths that if they, they, they um, disclose what is going on, then uh, out go, uh, they make the blood oath of uh, slicing their throat and their stomach, saying, if I reveal anything that I have learned, then uh, may, may the dogs eat my bowels, my disembodied bowels, and my head be cut off by the blood oaths, by doing those things, those movements, which witches do the same thing. Okay, so as they go up a level, they entrap and trap, and then they give more information, more Luciferian information, more, more. It is called secret knowledge. That's actually the definition of a cult, a cult of secret knowledge, revealing secret knowledge. So in the cults, like the Mormons, you ask the average Mormon, do you believe that Jesus is the spirit bird of Lucifer? They have no clue. They don't know because Joseph Smith realized he was going to do the same paradigm in Mormonism. You're not going to be told that kind of stuff until you decide to be married in the temple and you make all kinds of vows and work your way up. Then you will be revealed that. And only those Mormons that are revealed those things and work up the way, and there's a lot of things to do, can become a god. But you ask the average Mormon that you work with, you believe you're going to become a god? They're going to say no. Because they haven't been told that. They're at the Blue Lodge level, so to speak, right? It's not until you get to the higher levels. I've even talked to the Mormon kids that come to your door. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue about their own doctrine. Why? They're kept in the dark for a reason, okay? Jehovah Witnesses do the same thing. Roman Catholicism does the same thing. How do you know, Brent? Because I grew up that way. How do you think the Roman Catholics control two billion people on the planet? You want to know how? They don't give them the word of God. They make them dependent on the priests, which is Nicolaitanism. And they make it dependent on the priests. And so when you go to a Catholic church, they don't give out Bibles. They give out verses. And most of the time, the verses are out of context. A reading from the Apostle Paul, a reading from the book of James. And you're sitting there and you're like, I don't know what that means. It's just whatever, whatever. It's always out of context and no one comments on the verse. So the Bible is kept away. In fact, the teaching magisterium of the Vatican says it is not proper for an individual Catholic to read their Bible on their own. It must be properly interpreted by the teaching magistrate of the Roman Catholic Church. That's official doctrine. But what is that? That's Luciferian. We tell you in the Bible, or from Christianity, true Christianity, there's the Bible, go read it. It's all yours. There's nothing to hide. Go for it. They, don't keep, they keep it away as we properly interpret it. Or that's the same thing with the Mormons, as we interpret the King James from our vantage point. So in these cults, the Bible is manipulated and kept away from the people. That's why, now let's move to Protestantism. It's a very satanic thing to do in Protestantism that doesn't have all the trappings of a cult, but when the word of God is kept away from people. How so? 
How do you think in a modern day Protestant church, the word of God is kept away from people? Even though they have their own Bibles, they can go read it. How, what's, what's going on in the church service? What do you think's happening? How would you design, if, if you were a devil, okay? Remember, what, didn't uh, Paul Harvey said, if I was the devil? Okay, so play Paul Harvey. If I was the devil and I want to keep the word of God out of a church, what would I do? I tell them what they want to hear, good. I'm going to only preach certain portions of the Bible. I'm going to cherry pick my way through. I'm not going to go verse by verse. No way, because verse by verse forces the pastor in lockdown to he's got to deal with every verse. So the, the, the church will go topical, okay? It goes topical instead of, hey, we're going through the book of Daniel, or hey, we're going through Exodus, or whatever it is. We're going to go topical. And that way, that allows the pastor to cherry pick through what he wants to do. Second method, if I want to keep the word of God from people, then I stay at probably a third or fourth grade level in my teaching. Okay? That's intentional. So you go to a church and all they preach is, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, Jesus loves you, you need Jesus, Jesus loves you, you need Jesus, Jesus loves you. Okay, I get that. What happens, what happens after I'm saved? What do I do with that? Well, that's what Stephen Furtick will tell you. Well, you don't belong here anymore. This church is not for you. If you want something deeper, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to do your own study on your own. You see how that's subtle? We're gonna, we're gonna turn our services into evangelism. You get what I'm saying? The church is not for evangelism. Evangelism is the great commission that goes on the outside, not on the inside. What happens on Sunday morning is for the equipping of the saints and the maturing of the saints. That's, the pro- that's how you do it, right? And that's what churches don't do. So if I'm, I'm, a, if I'm the devil, that's what I would do. And then I, the other thing I would do, it was I'd, I'd make our music about 40 to 45 minutes. I would. And I would play a myriad of songs, especially ones that continue to repeat, and I would then bump up the volume to about 90 to 95 decibels. Why would I do that? Because I can put people in trances by the volume of the music. That's why when you go into churches and people have to wear earplugs, I know what that pastor's up to. It's intentional. You shouldn't have to wear earplugs in a church. But the reason is, and we've found this out in studying music, and this goes all the way to the ancient Greeks and the pagans who worshiped the pagan gods. They would use music to get the people in an altered state of consciousness and then absolutely lose control and then have all these people in a frenzy um, being controlled by demonic, actually. But music can get you there. Drugs can get you there, but music can get you there. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. Does Satan know anything about music? He, 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 he was the choir director. So he uses music. So, so I'm going to bump up the volume uh, over 90, 95 decibels. I'll do that. And then... When you're all messed up after 45, uh, 45 minutes of music and you can't hear yourself even think anymore 
and you've been dancing around like you're in a concert, then I'm going to come up there and I'm going to tell you what you want to hear for 20 minutes. And you know what will happen? Because you're in an altered state of consciousness, a lot of people will get that way. Not everybody, but some people will get that way. I can pretty much tell you anything I want to, and you'll say, that guy's right. You will become, in the services, hyper-suggestible. That is what two-bit carnies do at the Kern County Fair. It's a technique. It's a total technique, what they're doing. And so basically, with the music, they can hypnotize the people, and then the guy gets up there and can say anything he wants to say. If I was a devil, that's how I'd run the services. Now ask yourself, do you see a lot of that? Oh, not making it up. The fact is this has been studied in cults. And when you see it in Protestantism and these people bringing cultic methodologies, I'm like, either you're willfully ignorant of this and you're just, you don't have any clue or you are doing this intentionally, aren't you? So it's one or the other, Okay. One, the one is, okay, uh, they're ignorant. They put their finger in the window, Where? what's everybody doing? Okay, I'll do that. And they do that. But the other ones, I think, are intentional. They know good and well. You go to some of those hyper-charismatic um, uh, concert, not concert, but uh, you know, like a Benny Hinn type of uh, a crusade or something like that. They'll do that. They'll play long, long periods of music, long periods of music. And then he gets up there and doesn't say anything. And then, oh, come on up and get healed. And it's just a farce. Okay, so that being the case, let me, let me add, let's see if you have any questions so far on, on how Satan uses false religions. Okay. Yes, ma'am. You get a mic. Thank you, Gabe. Not only the loudness of the music, they're also singing Bethel. Yes. And Hillsong. Hillsong. And they're beautiful music, but they're all wrong. And the last church I came from, they sang both and many others, and no one wanted to talk about it. No. How, here's my thing. Um, let me ask you this about music. How do you divorce music from the band's personal life? Hillsong's a cult. You guys know that. Bethel is a cult. Right? Bethel Redding is a, 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 the, one of the most modern-day cults we've ever seen. Well, what do you mean? Let's just bring up one issue. Bill Johnson does not believe in the incarnation of the Messiah. He said he was simply a man when he came. He ceased to be God, became a man, and then again went back to be uh, God again. That's unbiblical. The incarnation, he is the God-man. That's, that's it. That's a killer right there. You're a cult if you believe that. Okay? Hillsong, same thing. All kinds of wackadoo. They're word of faith. Okay? And now all the scandals coming out, they hit a molestation case. There's all kinds of people uh, coming out with sex scandals and all kinds of junk going out with Hillsong. Um, and so I'm going to play a, a group from a cult that has all kinds of sexual impropriety. What am I saying if I play that song in my service? I must be passively or tacitly condoning it. And that's why we don't play Hillsong. And that's why we don't play Bethel. Because I don't want to be associated to that. 
But I guess to other people, they don't care, man. Whatever works, man. Whatever gets the liver quiver in the people, and they like it. But they, yeah, but what if, here's the thing. Uh, music people, music people. Who, remember the, the guy that used to be an old-fashioned uh, gospel singer, then he came out gay? <laughs> Ray Bolt, is it Ray Bolt? Okay, Ray Bolt. Do you remember Ray Bolt? I'm not gonna play anything from Ray Bolt. He came, he came out as, as, as a homosexual now. He's in sin. I hope he repents. I hope he comes back into the fold. You know, he's in apostasy. But you can't play something from him or some of these other people. I don't off the top of my head. I'm not good with music. But they, they start out good, and then they apostatize. And then, and then oh, well, we like their songs, but I know they're, 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 they're practicing lesbian. I, no, no, you can't do that. Even if you did and you were ignorant, then fine, you're ignorant. But if you know full well what these people are up to, you're tacitly given approval to that. Now, now think about some of the lyrics. Some of the lyrics that people sing, they're not biblical. They're just not. They make, you know, they'll say Jesus went into hell and fought a battle in hell, and they're like, what? What are you talking about? That's word of faith. Uh, you know, th- stuff like that. Um, so anyway, I, I don't get it, Karen. I don't get it. I, I don't understand how anyone can turn a blind eye to that, um, but it, it happens, it, and I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, go for it. Sorry, missed you. So does this concept kind of apply to any kind of music and concert? Because especially like especially, secular music, or yeah, just because the loudness and you're talking about how it kind of gets yeah, you. Yeah, the loudness is, is intentional in any kind of music. You know, any anywhere, um, what they've studied. And again, I'm not a music expert, but I, but when I studied what they do to put people into an altered state of consciousness, the reason they play it so loud is to induce that. It has a psychological effect on them. It mellows them out or it just gets them into the groove. It gets them to do what they want them to do. Um, and, and so it's a psychological thing. Now, you know, I don't know if a heavy metal band, you know, like Black Sabbath is saying, we're gonna, you know, I don't know. I, I, they want their ears to bleed. I don't know. I, I don't know what their point is, you know, because, you know, you, the mega death or whatever is gonna blow your ears out. I don't know if they're actually doing that on purpose, it's just kind of what we do type of thing. But studies show that any environment that does that to you puts you in an altered state of consciousness. Now, okay, let me ask you this. What did they do to the Gitmo uh, 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 people, the, the de- detainees in Gitmo? What would they do to them? They would turn loud music on, actually heavy metal music on them in their cells. If they're wanting a confession, because why? Why do they do that? Why would they turn on music, heavy metal, loud? Because it starts messing you up. You get into altered state of consciousness, and you're more hyper-suggestible. So, you know, 12 hours in a cell, and they're pumping, you know, Megadeth to you, and you come out, and now you're hyper-suggestible. Tell us what you know. You see what I'm saying? Tell us what you know. And then it's, it's easier to elicit information out of that. I'm not saying everyone does it on purpose. I'm just saying when they do the studies on music, that's what they find out. So I don't get it when the phenomenon started happening in the churches and they started playing the music so loud, I had to have eardrums, or anyone does, walking into the place. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. 
What do you think the apostle Paul would say if he walked into a place like that? And then they have a smoke machine on the front. What do you think he would say? Oh, my land. You know what he would say. Okay, good question, though. So whether they know it or not, something's happening. Um, Oh, and also the beat. The beat in music puts people in a hypnotic state. So you know, you know like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons and they would have the cannibals and he was, they're boiling Bugs Bunny and they dun, 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 dun and there would be this, this. You remember that? I'm using a lot of things from my, my, my cartoons of Bugs Bunny. Even Disneyland had it. Now they've removed it because they got to be politically correct now at the Jungle Cruise. But why is it that in pagan cultures, they would always have a drum and boom, 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 boom. And then they would start dancing around a fire. Do you know what that is? That's just not them having a good time. A rain dance or any of those dance are pagan dances according to the beat of that drum. And that produces the rhythm. And then eventually they do it long enough and they're in altered states of consciousness. That's what all pagans do. I know that sounds politically incorrect, but that's what the American Indian was doing. That's what uh, the ancient Africans were doing. I'm sorry. That's what the Mayans, the Aztecs. You ever, you ever see the movie Apocalypto? Holy smokes. Oh, man. And so it was all of that, right? So, so in, in, in the church services, when you hear a very deep bass, boom, 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 boom. Either someone's ignorant or someone knows what they're doing with that beat. That's what they've studied. Uh, I went on the program with Jan Markell to talk about this a couple years ago, and boy, it lit a fire, man, because it indicted a lot of people, and a lot of people are not paying attention. That's fine if they're, if they're ignorant because they're not paying attention, but I've done the research. I know what I'm talking about. And so uh, what do we keep? We keep it, uh, Eric knows, or Bruce, what do we keep the decibels at? About 80, yeah, about 80, uh, maximum. Uh, and so Bruce is a professional sound guy, and he knows. But beyond that, you get up there, it messes people up. I'm not saying you're going to go to a concert, and, you're gonna li- and it's loud, and you're going to go into all the I'm not saying that, okay? Don't get that wrong. Um, but it, it, it produces hyper-suggestibility sometimes in people, okay? So any other questions? I know we went stray on music, but... You can see it. Okay, Uh, B, he promotes attraction to falsehood by teaching a false lifestyle via the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, he promotes attraction to falsehood by teaching a false lifestyle. What do you mean? Well, obviously, the Bible teaches a certain lifestyle, right? That's righteous and holy and according to God's will. And so, obviously, in order to get people to do the opposite and to disobey God, you have to put some attraction into it. That's why the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 11 says there's pleasure in sin. And because of that pleasure in sin, that's the attractant. That's the bait, that it's attractive. It does something to you. And so, if I'm going to attract you to a false lifestyle, the first thing I got to do is make it pleasurable for you. 
If I can make it pleasurable for you, then you will do it. And even if it gives you temporary relief, you will do it because you'll just keep coming back to it, which forms addictions, right? So in any lifestyle, there's an attractant. Now, here's the thing. Is it purely hedonistic? Maybe. Sometimes it's just purely, purely hedonistic. People wanting to feel good. Yeah. But people also want to feel good in other ways. Okay? It's not just simply pleasure. They want to feel good in other ways. Like, I want to feel good about myself because I feel bad or whatever. I feel guilty or whatever. I want to... Um, I want to feel good that people like me. I want to feel good because um, I'm tired of rejection. I don't want to be rejected. And and we can understand at that point why that would be attractive. Well, if you do this, then you'll get what you're looking for. And so sometimes it's not flat out sin. It's just something deep. uh, uh, Let me say uh, the word is a, a deprivation in the person. And the person is looking to feel that deprivation with something that makes them feel whole again, feel human again, feel wanted, feel loved, feel valued. None of those are bad things, right? But then to get them over to this falsehood and and false lifestyle, well, if you want it, and it can be yours, you have to do that, and then you can get it. Now, here's the thing. When you look at the actual sin, you're like, I don't understand why anyone would do such a thing. Why would someone shoot heroin in their veins? It doesn't even appeal to me. But what is it? it's not that. What is it? It's coming from the deprivation, right? They want to feel again. That's why these people cut themselves, right? Why did they cut themselves? They don't feel inside. They're numb. They've shut off their emotions. And and you can do that when you've been traumatized. You'll actually learn to shut off your emotions. But you shut off your emotions and remain in that state, you will be very isolated inside. You will feel outside of your body many times. Not outer body experience, but you won't feel connected to yourself anymore. And you don't feel anything. When you don't feel anything in order to be like a human and feel something, that's why they cut themselves. To at least say, do I still feel anymore because I'm so numb inside? And hence they start cutting. So Satan offers, I will feel that deprivation if you will just practice this lifestyle and you can get it satisfied. Now that's very appealing because here's the thing, which you understand Satan, even though he's producing a counterfeit, it does have the experience in it. Otherwise, the person wouldn't do it. So when the person does their first hit of heroin, it does feel good. It does remove their bad memories. It makes them feel on cloud nine. So Satan doesn't tempt with something that doesn't work. It, but it's only temporary and it's dangerous. Does that make sense? It's dangerous and it's temporary, but it has to have the element that it does temporarily take away that pain. Otherwise, it doesn't work. 
So with all of this attraction to, he's like, well, I can't believe someone would get into this kind of lifestyle. I can't believe someone would get into transgenderism. Now, barring the, the grooming that's going on with kids and the kids don't even know better, you know, what's happening with these adults, let's take that out of the equation. Let's talk about somebody that says they want to go into transgender. They want to, a man wants to become a girl or a woman and vice versa. Where is the deprivation? You, would not, you need to know where the deprivation is at to understand the solution to somebody that believes they should be transgender and they believe they were in a, the wrong body. What is the deprivation? They're not accepted typically for who they are. Somebody has rejected them. Somewhere. Somehow. It always comes back to rejection and Satan knows how to play that game. So when they're rejected, whether it's a father, a mother, a teacher, their brothers and sisters, or school kids that they play with, whatever, it comes from rejection. And then what they realize is that, okay, I'm being rejected for a reason. I must be this way. I must have this problem. And it's them, them thinking that. And so Satan is coming saying, in this community, you will be accepted. In this area of society, you will be, they will not frown upon you. But all you have to do, though, is step into that immorality, and then you can experience the acceptance that you've been looking for. And what is the, the LGBT mafia? And I'm talking about the, 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 the group, not individuals. I'm talking about the mafia. What is their main goal for society? for everyone to accept them, even if I have to force you. So when they force acceptance, they feel good about themselves. It's not about wanting to be a guy, wanting to be a girl. It's about acceptance. And no medical or, 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 or counselors want to deal with it. They, the counselors know but they know they'll lose their license if they try to do you know, reparative therapy on people like that, right? That you can survive. You can actually come out of that, and through Christ, you can get free of this. There's no doubt. We've had many success stories, but they won't tell them that. They just say, you're born that way, or God put you in the wrong body, or what, you know, whatever they come up with, um, and, and they don't realize it's about acceptance. That's all it is. So Satan plays that. So you think, wow, that is such a harmful lifestyle to get in. Why would anyone do that? But the, 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 Satan knows the deep-seated needs in the human being. And that's how he lures them into it is because of these core issues. If you don't know your core issues, that's how you'll get led astray. What are my core issues? I need a sense of belonging. I need acceptance. I need unconditional love. I need forgiveness. I need a place where there's mercy. I need a place where there's grace. I need a place where there's truth. I need a place where I can't be betrayed. I need a place where I can be protected. All that stuff, I can just keep going down the line. But at the end of the day, only Christ can, can give you that 
And that's what the truly everyone's looking for. But Satan says, no, you'll find it here, but you have to practice this lifestyle in order to get that. He's got him. He's got him. It's all traced down to core issues. In every counseling situation, it's a core issue that you're working on. It's not tangential issues. Like if, 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 um, if you think it's just, well, just stop doing that. Well, then, that, okay, I'll stop doing that. That'll work for a time, because you're, but that doesn't address the core issue. The core, that's why we are, our schools produce monsters. Our schools produce monsters because they never get to the core issues of where values come from or where morality comes from. They never address that. They think morality comes from the government. That's, that's really what they do. But if the ki- kids were taught core issues of right and wrong, oh man, you see a completely different society. If they were taught by teachers, this is where you get love and this is where you get acceptance through Jesus Christ. This is where you get unconditional love through Jesus Christ. No, where they'd say that, oh, you're gonna be, you, you, you get it from the LGBT community. You get it from critical race theory. You get it from Black Lives Matter. That's where you get it from. So it's just all substitutes, right? Okay, any other questions on that? Clear as mud, right? Next thing. Satan's work in relationship to unbelievers. Satan has power over death of unbelievers, okay? Because of Messiah's death, the Messiah now has the keys of death. Revelation 1.18, Messiah clearly states, I was dead and behold, I have the keys of Hades and death. What does keys represent in the Bible? Keys represent authority. Um, as Messiah, he gained the authority over death by his own death, according to Hebrews 2 and Revelation chapter 1. Okay? So we're talking about the God-man. Now, God controls life and death. We understand that. But the right of authority, Messiah now has. Okay? That's why he says, I have the power over Hades. Hades is the underworld, and I have the power over death. So what does that imply? It implies this. As a believer, you are protected physically from Satan, demons, fallen angels, physically. They cannot kill you. They cannot touch you, physically, okay? Can they torment you? Yes. Can they harass you? Yes. Can they do all those kinds of things? Yes. They can't touch you with death because Messiah has that authority now. And so Satan has no power over you, except in one case, In one case, Satan can kill the believer. And it's the sin unto death that 1 John talks about. Remember the sin unto death? People say, what is the sin unto death? And they make it up. They make it up. The sin unto death is easy. It's It's a death that will happen to the believer when they do certain things and they're kicked out of the church and excommunicated. At that point, the protection of the Messiah is withdrawn and Satan can have his way with them. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So that's the one exception. If a believer monkeys around enough and they get to the third level of Matthew 18 and the church excommunicates them out, 
they are on Satan's territory at that point, and then he can do what he wills. And what, what does Paul say? So that his flesh may be destroyed, but his soul saved. Not talking about salvation. We're talking about him coming back in repentance. So there's a big deal, okay? This is a big deal because unbelievers are not aware that Satan has the power of death over them. Those involved in Satanism, those involved in witchcraft and paganism, they usually end up dead, committing suicide or doing something crazy. And, and so they're used as a toy in the occult. And a lot of them end up dead because of that. And obviously, um, there's a lot of, what do you want to say? Uh, looking for words. It's pretty scary to know that when you're not a believer and you're on in, sorry, in the kingdom of darkness, that you're that vulnerable, that you are completely without protection. That protection that Messiah gained is not for unbelievers. It's only for those who believe. And it is a big deal. Uh, when you have stared the, down uh, demons and people and you see the hatred in their eyes that they would tear and rip you to part and rip you to shreds in, this, in a second, and you start realizing that the only reason they're not touching you is because of Messiah's authority on you of having the keys of death and Hades, it's a big win. Because you see right in their eyes that they would love to shred us. I mean, it's a hatred that's beyond human. They would do it, but we can't be touched. We're not to take that arrogantly. We're not to use that wrongly, but we are to know our authority in Christ gives us protection from the demonic realm. And you have to be able to know that, use it, and understand it. Um, any questions about this? Is that a freak out? <laughs> Usually people haven't heard that. But if you understand Hebrews 2 and Revelation 1, what, what is the idea of key? Uh, if, if through Christ's death, here's a question. If through Christ's death, he was able to secure by authority the keys, the authorities of Hades and death. Hades, the place of the dead, okay? When he says, says that in Revelation 1, where was it before? Why did he get it? Why didn't he have it before? Why, didn't he, why did he get it only after the resurrection and his death, obviously? See, that he, it's another thing that goes into Revelation chapter 5 of who has the power to open the seals, who has the authority to open the seals. And he says, I looked at all creation and under, and, uh, under the earth and in the earth and uh, above the earth, and I couldn't find anybody, but behold the Lamb of God, as if he had been slain. The Lamb has the authority not only to open the seals, but he has the authority over Sheol and death. Where was it at before he took those keys? Who had it? If Satan had it, how did he get it? From Adam? You see what I'm saying? It had to come from somewhere. He arrested it. The Messiah. Remember, when you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about the God-man. 
So when I'm referring to him as the Messiah, I'm referring to the Son of Man. The Son of Man accomplished this, right? He's the God-man, and God has all authority. We know that, right? But as Messiah, he gained this through his death. He could only get it through his death. He tasted death and went through death, okay? And so was able to get this authority given to him. So did Satan have it before? And who? You know? The father gave it to him? I'm letting you chew on that for a little bit. Who had it? Who had power over death? Did Adam have it at one point? And then he got usurped? And then he got usurped and then Satan usurped him as, and became the God of this world? Yes? Okay. Stay with it. Stay with it. You're on. You're tracking. You're tracking. If I can find it. <sighs> keep thinking, keep thinking. Come on, where is that? Where is it at? I know it's somewhere here. Okay, got it. Uh, Colossians 2. Gosh, I can't even read this with my glasses on. I got to get stronger ones, man. What is your prescription strength? Blind? Mine is nearly blind. I can't even see with the glasses. Okay. All right, sorry about that, guys. Verse 15, Colossians 2, 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle triumphing over them in it. Disarmed them of what? The power of death and shield. Colossians 2, verse 15. He disarmed them. He took something away from them, and he took the power of death over people and shield. Now, what is this thing about shield? What, what kind of power is that? Well, this is not usually taught because people don't want to go into this too deep. But there's a, when you, you uh, let me read it, and this will help maybe connect some dots. This is, uh, yeah, that's the, the Hebrews passage. Uh, what does it say in there, Bill? Yeah. Power of death, yes. Yeah. Excellent, yeah. So, so, Hebrews 2 clearly says that Satan had it. 
Colossians 2 says he was disarmed. Well, when did he get it? Well, in Genesis chapter 3, Uh, starting verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat the dust all the days of your life. That's a Hebrew idiom. Now, we understand that from like a snake standpoint that, you know, he lost his legs, he's on the belly, and, and eating the dust is an idiom. It's a curse. And what it is saying in Genesis 3, when you dig deeper in the, the Hebrew understanding, is that you wanted to exalt yourself above my throne. Is that what you wanted? Cursed are you, you are now Lord of the dead. That's how he got it. He is Lord of the dead. He's the Lord over Hades and Sheol. So you wanted life, you're not getting it life. All you're getting is death. And I, I appoint you as Lord over death. That's what you will be known as. That's what that passage actually means. Now we'd see that evidence in the serpent itself physically, right? And that the serpent, you know, be, loses its leg, whether it was bipedal or, or quadrupedal, whatever. We see that. But the Hebrew is an idiom. You are now Lord of death. So that's where Satan got it. He's had it ever since. So when Messiah comes to free us, he frees us from sin and... Thank you. You connecting dots now? Perfect. You got it. That's what this connection is. And so, if you were to die, the Lord has authority over that. He is the one who calls you home. It's not Satan. But the outer world out there, they have no clue about this. They are playing with a loaded handgun and they're spinning the thing, playing Russian roulette because they are completely without protection from Satan, killing them. That's how dangerous it is to be an unbeliever. And if he kills them and they don't get saved, guess what? Now, God, again, is overarching everything, and he's uh, superintendent and, and, and supreme over everything. And again, he, he allows what he wants to allow and, and doesn't allow. And he, if, if Satan takes someone's life, believe it or not, that person had enough chances to come to faith in the Messiah. God gave him enough. And then, obviously, um, through his permissive will, Satan is able to kill the person if Satan decides to do that but it has to be under the permissive will of God. Um, so if that makes sense. Okay, any questions before we take a break? Yes. Let's get him a mic. So, oh, sorry. Uh, so if Satan hates humans so much, why doesn't he just kill all the unbelieving? Uh, uh, yeah. Because, um, it, well, he's, he's doing a pretty good job of it so far, but why didn't he just slaughter? Because God doesn't permit it. 
And so, so you have to understand that um, when I'm talking about God's sovereign, there, you have to understand that there's several wills of God. There's God's sovereign will, right? That means that he's going to accomplish certain things, guys, no matter what. Like, for instance, the second coming and the setting up of the kingdom is God's sovereign will, right? It's going to come. There's, that's it. It's coming, right? There's another will of God called the moral will of God, okay? What is the moral will? Well, the moral will is disclosed in the Bible and tells you how to behave, right? That is the moral will. But let me ask you, is the moral will the same as the sovereign will? No, because, the, because between the, the moral will of God, which this is what he wants humans to operate in right here, and the sovereign will of God, this will happen. In the middle is called the permissive will of God. Okay, he, uh, a good passage to describe that is, is something like this one. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is called the permissive will. He wants all to be saved, right? He desires all to be saved, but his permissive will says not all will be saved because I, I, I won't violate their freedom. That's called the permissive will. So when you're dealing with Satan killing people, he has to submit, first of all, to the sovereign will of God. If sovereign, if sovereign will of God tells him don't do it, then he can't do it. If the permissive will says, yeah, you may, then he'll do it, even though it's an immoral act. I know that sounds weird, right? God doesn't cause evil. God allows it through his permissive will. Okay, so that's why Satan can do what he did to Job. That was a permissive will, right? Um, the abortion, that's good. He, that's a permissive will. God has his moral will, but he knows because of freedom, people won't act inside of that moral will, if that makes sense. So you have to understand three wills of God like that. And so if, if so like, like you mentioned, the, the, the hypothetical, why does Satan just start rampaging, killing every human being? Because God won't let him. He only allows what he, he Satan's on a leash, basically, in that sense. He does, and that's what we talked about. He's, he's, he's lost it. He thinks he's going to win at the end of the day. That's why he's still fighting. That's why he's doing what he's doing. Any others? Michael, back there. We got, he's a mic, my friends. I was, I was going to say, would you say another interaction of that would be when uh, Jesus was talking to Peter about Satan had requested to sift him like wheat? Or yes, that's a like request. Another, Yes, that has to be requested. Just like with Job, it had to be requested. That's the difference with believers, right? That, that believers, if Satan's gonna do anything or God allows it, it comes through the filter of Jesus. He has to allow it. And will Jesus sometimes let that happen to you? Yes, but it's under the control of Jesus, right? He tells Satan how far he can go with you, but that's up to Jesus. So you, you've got, that's called the permissive will, yes. Anything else? We got to take a break? Yes, five minutes. We'll come right back and talk about monkeypox.
never chose me There's always been a mystery All my life I've been told I belong At the end of the line Will all the other not quite Will all the never get it right But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time Cause I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus When Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight You picked 12 outsiders Nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil Start talking to me Saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about something Scattered words and empty thoughts seem to pour from my heart. I've never felt so torn before. Seems I don't know where to start. But it's now that I feel you breathe for like rain. 
You got to get one. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you want to make your way back, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Do they really? Yeah, he's a good guy. Really good guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's up there, man. I, I tell him he's a good guy. Okay, uh, you want to make your way back, grab your desserts or coffee or whatever we got going? First thing that comes out of the box, uh, poll, one-third of Americans that make uh, 250000 live paycheck to paycheck because of all this. So I know that sounds bizarre, but uh, yeah, it's affecting them. But um, I think if you're making that kind of money and you're still living paycheck to paycheck, you have other problems <laughs> rather than inflation and everything else. Anywho, um, let me get to some of the things I need to... Let me, I'll get to this in just a bit. Hold on. A lot of weird stuff going on. Okay, uh, this is interesting. I heard this. Biden administration ties transgender policy to food for poor students. So the USDA Food and Nutrition Services announced that, that K-12 through school receiving government funding must adhere to transgender inclusive policies or risk losing federal funds that enable them to offer affordable or free breakfast, lunch, and snacks to students of low-income families. So if the schools don't comply with the transgender policies, you don't get any federal money for food. 
You see how ridiculous this is? How much control they're starting to get? It's, it's ridiculous. Now, I'm looking for my monkey here. Okay. The monkey is. There he is. So now they have over 550 monkeypox cases in 30 countries, okay? It's not much. Um, and this is, I guess this is the, the, the problem with all of this. A simulation exercise imitating a global monkeypox pandemic happened in March 2021, okay? Just like Event 201, when they wargamed the coronavirus, so I just, I don't know what to make of this. Is this an accident that, this is, that they, they do things like this and then a year later this thing breaks open? I don't get it. Maybe I'm just making too much of it. Uh, we got a mic. Where's our mic set? I was watching Newsmax about a week ago. And they had some doctors came on and said there was five cases in the United States. They were all connected to a rave party on an island out in the Atlantic. They were all either bisexual or homosexual that got it. Okay. It's not transmitted by, well, funky business. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way of putting it. It's a good way of putting it. Um, but, but anyway, um, I, I just find this amazing. I, I, so... I'm not going to make too much of it, but I want to say, hmm, I'm curious about this. And why, why do they not want to talk about the homosexuality part in it? Why, why are they covering that part up? I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, we need to watch this, monitor it. Um, I, I, I listened to Dr. Peter McCullough today. He had a lot to say about it. And um, he said the same thing, basically, to paraphrase him. He says, it's just strange on the timing of this. And... Uh, he doesn't recommend if they give you a vaccine for it. He says, don't get it. Keith. Hey, uh, Brandon, so that simulation, they took it out about five to ten years. They're, in this simulation, they estimated by 2023 that like two billion people would be infected with it. And there'd be over 280 million deaths. Mm. Um, there's some speculation that they're using this to cover um, the injuries from vaccines. There you go. Very good. Thanks. Good, good information. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think they're done with this stuff, okay? I think it's just constantly whatever, man. And they keep wargaming. So, got a question back there. Go ahead. Yep, go for it. Um, this is just a comment. I am a diabetic and have other issues. But because I totally refuse to take um, the shot for COVID, my doctor sent me home with four cases of hand sanitizer. Um, because what? he, because he predicts that this monkeypox is just going to explode. Really? Wow. Wow. Okay. So we'll see. We got a lot of things going on, monkeypox and all this other junk. Anyway, let's go back to where I want to. Okay. So here's the thing that I wanted to show you a little bit about our wonderful school systems. Um, teacher now uses LGBT flashcards to educate preschoolers about colors. Oh, isn't that wonderful? So as you can see, when you're learning about white, that's a guy, a girl, or there's a guy that's pregnant in the thing. And that's how you learn about white. 
okay? This is a teacher using this. Now, ah, oh, rats, that thing won't go. Now, what I did is I went to where this teacher got her cards. And it sold out. Because I wanted, I wanted to see the company that where this teacher got it from. So in this website, it has how to learn about pink and white and uh, progress pr uh, pride flag rainbow families, uh, 12 flashcards. But I, could, you know, I couldn't buy any because they're all sold out. It, it broke my heart. It's right, Bill. <laughs> now... On their website, they had images like this, raise good people. Oh, okay, um, is that a mommy and a daddy? No, it's two dads. And this is supposed to go to preschoolers and to learn colors, right? So then I, I noticed on the website, and these are all screenshotted, that I can buy boxes as a teacher and I can teach about these things to preschools and kindergartners and all kinds of stuff. So I can buy the black box, and guess what that teaches inside of it? Black Lives Matter. Oh. Then I can buy the LGBTQ plus family box. That's still available, if any of you are interested. Oh, or the gender expansive box. And the indigenous box. And what's in these boxes? Well, there's toys and all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, literature and games telling kids how, you know, to be transgender, bisexual, whatever. And then some of the, here's some of the, the things. You can get a Morocco and some, some things. But most of this is teaching them non-binary and trans animals and families, uh, eight paper dolls that are non-binary, transgender, whatever. Okay? <clears throat> Why is my clicker not working? So here's images of these kids um, getting these boxes, opening them up, and playing. Now, this is a parent, you know, uh, letting this happen. Now, when you see this, this should disturb everybody in the room. This is very disturbing. This is, this is where education is now going. And they're doing this to little kids. Um, as you've noticed, I've had an image through all these pictures. And I, just to show you that what, that's what Jesus thinks about what they're doing. Here's another thing. Uh, you ever see the TikTok, libs of TikTok? They always show what the, the left is doing. So anyway... In Jasper, Indiana, a pride event with a drag queen performance is being advertised for all ages, and they are encouraging kids to bring cash to tip the drag queens. Yeah. Okay? This is crazy. And you can see, if you can see the little thing, this event is open for all ages, and it says, if I can strain, drag is not cheap, so make sure to Bring some cash. Are you out of your minds? Are you out of your minds? Yes, we are. Beth Moore equates fearing liberal woke takeover with not fearing the Lord and worshiping the God of power. 
let me tell you, I, that's, I think that's a misspelling, right? You don't say, let me tell you. Uh, let me tell you how this works. All of you to do, uh, all of you, all that you have to do is to thwart change in conservative Christian ranks. Oh, so she's on the other side. She's not a conservative Christian anymore. Is to frame it as progressive takeover. Well, that's what's happening, Beth. The liberals are coming. The liberals are coming. They are. Woke alert. They are, Beth. Where are you on their side? So when our fear of liberalism exceeds our fear of God, our God is power. What are you talking about? Are you insane? Yeah, I am. This is what happens when you apostatize. You can't think straight anymore. Oh, um, I don't think some of us who love God would have liked Jesus. I think, Beth, it would actually be the opposite for you, that you would have actually a hard time with Jesus because of you're so woke and so left. But anyway, this is what we expect in Christendom, right? We just celebrated Memorial Day. These are two captions from the tweets from the U.S. Marines and the United States Air Force. What is our military's agenda these days? I I, I don't understand anymore. We're watching the world collapse around us, and, and, and we got Russia, and we have all kinds of things, China to worry about, and we're worried about pride. What does it tell you what's going on in the military? What does that tell you about West Point? Remember when uh, Millie got caught and what they were teaching at West Point? In, in fact, they were teaching wokeism. Remember all that? What are they doing to our military? So I uh, think, uh, think evil, okay? Think as wise as a serpent. What does that suit you? If I'm a globalist, how does this effectively deal with America? What is it doing to our military? You got it. That's, what, that's intentional, right? How about this one? Southern Baptists refuse to act on abuse despite secret list of pastors. A secret list of more than 700 abusive pastors, uh, of sexually abusive Southern Baptist leaders chose to protect the denomination from lawsuits rather than protect the people in their churches from further abuse. More scandal. More scandal. They were hiding this all the time. The upper echelon knew it. It's leaked out now. We have the 700 names at the, the past, and we're talking about molestation. We're talking about all kinds of sexual things, uh, affairs, all kinds of things that were all hidden by the Southern Baptist higher echelon. And now it's come out. I wonder what they're going to do about it. See, the ball's in their court now. The ball's in their court. Are they going to do anything? Because when you see this, and you see Hillsong, and you see the other denominations, and they have sex scandal after sex scandal after sex scandal at these higher denominations, it tells you what's going on in the denominations, right? I'm telling you right now, I just heard it this, this last week, and I can't remember where I heard it, but I heard it. The stats are the churches that, that follow the Bible are typically nowadays independent of a denomination. The majority of those who still follow the Bible are independent. 
non-denominational. And I think that says something, doesn't it? It speaks to our situation, but it speaks to even like, you know, our, our buddy Billy Crone in Vegas. He was Southern Baptist like I was. He had to pull out. I had to pull out. I'm not loyal to some denomination if they're monkeying around. I don't put any denomination ahead of the Bible, but these people do sometimes. Oh, I'm a tried and true Southern Baptist. Yeah, what are you going to do about this one now? What are you going to do? We're going to brush it under the carpet? Well, you know, that's over there. No, you're part of a denomination that was hiding sex abuse scandals. That's a problem. You're going to be part of that? Uh, Irritating, isn't it? Okay, we did that. I want you to see Aldous Huxley and what he said in 1949. He's the guy that wrote The Brave New World. This guy's wackadoo, okay? But look what he said. Within the next generation, I believe that the world's leaders will discover that infant conditioning and narco-hypnosis are more efficient as instruments of government than clubs and prisons. And that the lust for power can be just as completely satisfied by suggesting people into loving their servitude as by flogging them and kicking them into obedience. I believe he said this to, um, why did I go blank? 1984 author. He said this to George Orwell. He was commending George Orwell on 1984 when he wrote that. And this is what he said to Orwell. And I I, I saw this quote today and I thought, oh my lanta, that nails it. Infant conditioning. What does that mean? Infant condition. I'm conditioning people to be infants. Well, Yeah. And what are the, well, so infant conditioning means if I'm an infant, what does that make me towards the government? Dependent on them. And he's basically saying, Aldous Huxley's saying, look, if we make these people dependent on them, there's not going to be any fighting. They'll become slaves willingly because they're so dependent on us. We'll tell them what to do about monkeypox. We'll tell them about what to do about food shortages. We'll tell them that. And I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, this guy said this in 19, 1949. And he's nailed it. Look at the other thing he said. Narco-hypnosis. Drug-induced hypnosis. Now, we're legalizing drugs like there's no tomorrow. Okay? We got fentanyl problems. They won't solve that. Everyone's hopped up on drugs now. And the scripture talks about sorcery in the last days, especially in the tribulation. And the sorcery, the word is pharmakia in Greek. That's where we get the word pharmacy, right? It comes from the Greek word pharmakia. I don't think that's an accident, that the sorcery to make people zombie in the last days will be the use of pharmakia, drugs to make them all zombies, to make, a, make them do. I, I, you know, he was way ahead of his time in saying something like that, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Let me show you another quote from him. This is 1961. There will be in the next generation or so a pharmacological method of making people love their servitude and producing dictatorship without tears, so to speak, producing a kind of painless concentration camp for entire societies. 
so that people will in fact have their liberties taken away from them, but will rather enjoy it because they will be distracted from any desire to rebel by propaganda or brainwashing or brainwashing enhanced by pharmacological methods. And this seems to be the final revolution. Wow, 1961, he says this. It's going according to plan, isn't it? With everything. Again, I'll go back to how easy it was to get Americans to, to follow Fauci or anything like that, how easy it was. There was no fight that people would love their servitude? What are we watching? We're watching people give their freedoms away because they don't care about it. They just don't care. And they have that infantile mentality of just take care of me. Let me alone and just take care of me. And when I saw that, I thought, that's perfect for what we're seeing today. And, and so I, I, it just blew me away. But we're there. We're there. Yeah, questions, comments. Bill, where's our, where's our mic, guys? Okay, go back there first, then we'll get, get Bill over here. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, go for it. This is just real short. But um, <laughs> it was very interesting to me that Julian Huxley which is Aldous, Aldous Huxley, or however you pronounce it, yeah. brother, was the first director of the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, UNESCO. Yep. And it was also very interesting to me that Julian Huxley was the president of the British Eugenic Society, 59 to 62, yep. and the first president of the British Humanist Association. So basically, Aldous Huxley, when he was writing the book, Brave New World, he was getting all the information from the very people that are doing to us Yes. happening today. That's exactly. why Brave New World is so accurate. That's exactly it, John. You nailed it. That's, that's where I, I, I want you to see this because this has been planned for a long time. This is not something made up last year. They're saying this a long time, 1961. This has been going on for decades upon decades. And finally, They've got their chance. They've got the crisis they need and the world, the situation, and they've had years and years of indoctrination, and yes, it's coming to fruition. Where am I at? Bill? You, you speak of the crisis. Let's talk about the uh, kids last week at the school. Yeah. California State Senate voted on Thursday to end the requirement that students who threaten violence against school officials be recorded. Before California passed the law, existing state law stated that whenever a school official is attacked, assaulted, or physically threatened by any pupil staff where they were required to promptly report the incidents of specific enforcement authorities. The new bill repealed this requirement. California passed the law just two days after the 18-year-old gunman opened fire on the elementary school in Uvalde. So now students that are threatening to kill people, we can't do anything about it. So it's fitting right in what you're saying. Yeah. There you go. Yes. It's always behind our back, right? It's always... Again, it's, yeah. They're putting stuff in our food. Well, I know I'm celiac, so I know I can't eat the wheat, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> and the little kids that eat the candy that's got the um, dye in it mm -hmm. changes them into monsters, some of them. Yeah, I know some of the families have to keep their kids off of certain dyes because the, the kids are having allergic reactions and stuff like that to them and makes them... Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, 
Any other questions? Okay, so here, here's, here's what I, I want to bring to your attention. That shooting that happened in Texas last week, what's your take on what was happening if a Border Patrol agent was able to get in there How did that happen, and no one else is doing that? I listened to his interview today. How was he able to go in there and rescue his own daughter? How, how, what, what, why? Why were they telling the little girls or boys just yell out, and then someone did that, and they got killed? Why is he the only one that went in? I can't, I can't figure this out for the life of me. Do you know? The mother went in too, right? I, I'm, 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 I'm throwing this out at you because I'm perplexed. I'm very perplexed of what was going on there. I can't figure it out for the life of me. While you have screaming moms saying, let me in, I'll tear through that guy, why don't you kill him? And then a, a, a border agent, off-duty, no protection, goes in there. I, that's, I, I, I watch those screaming moms, and their children are in there, and they're just saying, sit tight, sit tight, or whatever they were telling them. Um, I, I don't get that. If that was my kid, I'm going in there. I, I, I don't understand. Just stay back, stay back. And then a, a, a guy off-duty, a border agent, goes in there. And he's the only one that goes in there and stops it. I, 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 what is that? Is that a fear of because of all the junk with George Floyd and all that stuff that we now have people, and I ain't getting involved. I ain't getting involved. Is that what's happening to people? They don't want to engage anymore because they're afraid of being on the front page of Black Lives Matter or whatever and your life's ruined because you're getting involved. Well, if that's the case, then I totally understand the reaction then because no one wants to be on the front page of some type of George Floyd situation, right? So what should we expect? When law enforcement is treated like that, then you should expect law enforcement to say, I'm not getting involved. I'm not getting involved. You see what's going on? This is a problem from what our, our leftists have done to our society. They make people afraid to act in a heroic manner because of, they will rip you to shreds if you go against the narrative on this, this whole police thing. I, I, I get it. I get it. Okay, where am I at? So <clears throat> I'm not so sure about that. This Too many things in the story don't add up. No, a lot doesn't add up. And you go to all of these, Parkland, all of them, they don't add up. And here's my, I might be a conspiracy theorist, but if you don't <laughs> believe that these people who scream that they want to kill babies in the womb would do something this evil to carry out an agenda. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It's, 
it's too weird. Yeah, great. Where we're at, Cliff. Uh, just an in interesting fact that, I, that they reported on was that uh, the SWAT team there was just doing exercises on this a week ago, and they were nowhere to be found. I mean, you know, they spent like, what, 45 minutes, 19 of them in the hallway, and no SWAT. And yeah. They just prepared for all this. I, 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 I mean, I, I, again, I don't want to get conspiratorial, but man, I, I just, something, when I look at that, doesn't add up. When you tell me that, Cliff, and you tell me that, and I'm thinking, I'm like, what in the world happened down there? I get when we had like a shooting in Florida that one security guard was hiding like this and it was just one guy, remember him? I don't get 20 to 30 to 40 policemen all over the place standing there doing nothing. I, I don't get that. Did I, am I missing something? Did, are you seeing something different that I don't see? And then instantly we go into attack guns, attack guns, attack guns. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist like she is back there. I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't like what I saw. Where am I at? Steven, go for it, man. Question of uh, the off-duty man. Did he get his daughter or child out of the room that was locked? I, 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 just, I heard the interview. He did get his child, and he led the other children out, too. Uh, so I don't know how what he... He said across the hall. So. Did he go across the hall or something? I didn't hear all that detail. But he went in there, man. And I would imagine any parent would. But how come everyone stood down? I, I just, yeah, I don't get it. So, so I believe what, what is happening is they want to, you know, defund the police, disarm. You know, they, they don't want the police to, you know, protect us or whatever. They yeah. twist it for the wrong reasons. So if they try to disarm us, they use all of these distractions, then they can bring in the new world order sure. police around the whole world and yeah that's what they're lining it up for well yeah i mean when they de that and that's the thing is when you demonize our police you defund our police uh, i was talking to uh, a guy in minnesota when he was back there and he was ex uh, policeman he says man you know the 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 downtown area of minnesota st paul and all that area he goes it's just it's given over to the criminals down there and, and I said, well, where's the, where's the police? And he goes, well, they're defunded. And the ones that are, they don't want to get involved. There's not enough of them. And they don't want to be on the front page and stuff. And I said, man, I get that, dude. So, yeah. And so the, the idea is the New World Order is going to bring in their own policemen. Roman imperialism policemen. Yeah, you're on to something. I have one other and you can talk to Amanda about this. We all get training every year as teachers. And yeah. I'm pretty sure our... Um, head campus or our head district police told us that this was a nationwide change this year. We were trained on what is it? Fight, fight or flee. And you're no longer supposed, like those other classes, what we were trained, you don't do that anymore. Really? Where the shooter is, you run from him. So, you know, if he had one class pinned down, that should have been that. But I, I don't know. There's some teachers in this room. So we're taught you, you run, you fight, run, throw things at them. You don't just sit oh, and really? wait like they did either. So okay. that's another red flag to me. Yeah, that is. No, thanks for that insight. That's good insight. Questions? Where am I at? Bill, this morning on Newsmax that they don't post very often, Two point on an average, 2.1 million people 
people carrying weapons are saving others per year. Really? 0.1 million people use a weapon in self to save others. The other night, a West Virginia woman pulled a pistol on a man who opened fire at a birthday party with an AR-15 style weapon. The woman shot and killed the man. No other injuries were reported. Yeah. She had a CCW. Well, that's not going to make the news on CNN, that's for sure, because um, that goes against the narrative. So here's my question, and I want you to chew on this. You got 400, what is it, 400 million guns out there. And they know they have to go after them. You know they want them. You got Beto O'Rourke going crazy, you know, doing his own thing. But he's, he's the one that's, you know, that telling you what they really want. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Because in order to usher in globalism, they're going to have to figure out something to do with all these Americans that have all these guns. What is that? So I let you chew on that because I don't know the answer. Yeah, they better start praying. I, I mean, you're talking, they come after people's guns. You're talking civil war. I'm sorry, I, I just don't see any other way. Not that I'm advocating that. I'm just saying people not going to put up with that. I'm just stating what I observe, not what you should do. I, I just, I think it's going to come to a head, guys. I just think it's going to come to a head. Go ahead, Dennis. Pastor, um, didn't, what is it, Justin Trudeau or something come out and just say Canada, yeah. it's no more cells, no more guns, no more, yeah. no more, right? Yeah, Trudeau did that. Um, they don't have it in their U.S., I'm sorry, they don't have a constitution that, like we do, that protects that. So, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, authoritarian like Trudeau, he just says, okay, we're not doing handguns or whatever. Um, that's it. That's how it goes. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm telling you, guys, um, this issue, it's a tipping point issue, and they won't stop. They won't stop. So, I mean, this is the thing. It's like what we talk about. You've got to vote the right people in. You've got to have the right people in. You've got to, uh, you know, fight for this. You have to strive for this. You have to stand up against it. You can't let it because they disarm American populace. Forget it. Forget, you know what that will ha- happen at that point. But again, where is this going? What, where can this possibly lead to? I think it's a tipping point. Anyway, any other questions, comments? All right, we got to run. Now here, uh, before we go, Monica, what do you got to say? Break everything down. We're going to break the chairs and tables down. We're going to put the white tables in the back. We're just going to put them on the carts. And then we're going to bring out the round tables and set them up for tomorrow night's fellowship. We're having a ladies' fellowship tomorrow night. Ladies' fellowship. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be with each other and uh, study what you're doing in the world. It is a crazy world. But thank God you have told us what our future is. It's secure in Jesus. And you're coming for us soon. We thank you for that. Help us to complete our mission. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, God bless you.